0: Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit dedicated to the idea that every part of the Bible, Old Testament and New, is about Jesus. And this podcast is our experiment to publicly test that belief. Every episode, hosts David Bowden and Seth Stewart work through a biblical text to see how it helps us see and savor Jesus. Let's jump in. Well, welcome everyone to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Thank you for joining us, Seth. How are you feeling today?
1: I'm feeling great because we're in the Book of Colossians.
0: You should feel great. It's a great book. Colossians is a great book. Yeah, and a great letter. It was, right, it's a letter. Yeah, I guess we should. Paul try sent to use it that. on paper. He did <laughs> to someone. He did. It's true. This <laughs> a correspondence, um, and it's crazy. It's 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 like it makes some really huge claims about who Jesus is. It claims basically that he's the center of the universe, and because of that, there's nothing that we have to add to our faith or our pursuit of him other than what he's done on the cross.
1: Yeah, there was some people within Colossae who wanted to add to what Jesus had done, whether that was the Jewish law or some spiritual experience we'll mm-hmm. talk about it in a second. But the idea was like, yeah, following Jesus is good, but it's better when you add some extra layer to it, some yeah. extra practice, some extra thing, then you'll be who you're truly meant to be. Then you'll experience fullness. And that's the yes. word Colossians uses. And that kind of like idea is still like pretty much everywhere today. Yeah, I was like, that day. still sounds like, like today. How do you like feel significant or full or realize your true self? Well... Be a vegan, <laughs> do CrossFit, get out into nature, and then you'll feel then you'll feel whole again, right? right? Like, yep. and the message of Colossians is no, no, no. Jesus is enough. Yeah, you can be vegan, you can go out in nature, but Jesus is enough.
0: Yeah, well, I'm excited to explore that idea. Yeah. Um. So when we're talking about this being a letter, uh, that means letters are sent in real time and places and to real people. So like the background of that letter is Paul is in prison. In, yes, in Rome. In Rome. Okay. So
1: there's so more than likely he sent Ephesians, Colossians, uh, and Philippians yes. at about the same time, uh-huh. imprisoned in Rome. And so we are we already talked about Ephesians earlier. Yep. Um, and Colossians is also written. <laughs> <rather Yes>, say, <laughs> I'm saying the same thing twice. <laughs> yes. But yeah, he's in Rome okay. in prison, and he's writing to some of the churches he
0: has contact with. Yeah. Except he never had contact with Col- Colossians. Yeah. Church. He never went to Colossi. To whom this letter was written,
1: but he was imprisoned with a man named
0: Epaphras, yep. who
1: had planted the church in Colossae.
0: or Epaphras. Epaphras. I heard someone pronounce it who, that who way.
1: Epaphras
0: it that way. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't want to name drop. Is it N T right? No, N T right always has it's, Isaiah. <laughs> Isaiah. <laughs> it, it's. I think it's how. I think it's how the Bible project. I think that's how Tim Mackey. I think uh, it's how he pronounces it. Epaphras. 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 Yeah. Well, anyway. regardless, I of like Epaphras. Epaphras. I'm, I'm American. Yeah. <laughs> In Oklahoma, we call in him Oklahoma, Epaphras. He's Epaphras. Uh-huh. But yes, they're in prison together. Paul and Epaphras are in prison <laughs> oh, yeah. together, and Epaphras and Paul were old buddies, uh, most likely from Ephesus. Yeah, and uh, um,
1: Epaphras was saved when Paul was preaching for two or three years in Ephesus. Yeah, and then Epaphras went out and planted a church not only in Colossae, but also in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. Right. So like they've had a long-standing relationship, so much so that. They're in prison
0: together. Yeah. And now you can imagine Epaphras knowing everything that's been going on in that area of mm-hmm. Laodicea, Colossae. He knows the people yeah. on the ground. He's, like, wor- he's pastorally worried about them. And yes. so you can just picture him and Paul sitting in their house arrest prison in Rome just being like, man, I'm just really worried about so-and-so. When I, when
1: I left, this was going on. I yeah. wonder how they're doing. I wonder if they they know what – do they know how to respond
0: does, who's teaching yeah. them right now? And then Paul being like, you know, we write letters to churches, right? Let's write one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, uh, and, and, and a lot of people think that it was probably written around the same time as Ephesians. Um, mm-hmm. One, because it shares a lot of commonality with Ephesians. Yeah. They apparently needed to hear some of the same things. And uh, I heard uh, someone say, uh, Paul didn't have the copy and paste feature. And so he just instead just kind of reworded some things uh, that he was right. already saying to Ephesians, to Colossians or the other way around. We don't really yeah. know which was written first, but yeah. Yeah. Um, they're really, really similar letters, and they're close to each other geographically, yep. and so most likely they could have been and carried at the same time.
1: If you want to get really nerdy, there's a, another letter mentioned the letter the church the letter to the Church of Laodicea mm-hmm. at the very end of the Book of Colossians, and some scholars believe that might actually be.
0: The letter of Ephesians.
1: The letter of Ephesians. Right. Uh, so regardless of all that, yes. the idea was that Colossians and Ephesians were written around the same time and were supposed to circle around those same three cities yep. that Epaphras and Paul had co-labored in. Yep. Which is, I just love that detail. I just love the vision of Paul and Epaphras sitting in prison, bored.
0: Worrying about their churches. Worrying about their churches. <laughs> and like,
1: let's write them a letter. Yeah. And they write the letter and they send it out. And yeah. we're we're reading that.
0: Which is no, no surprise then why these letters are just like so full of encouragement you know like they're just really like high and like they haven't been there in a while Mm -hmm. so they're not super specific on like some of the details of what's exactly happening you don't have you don't have like names specific people's names dropped that they're addressing end. except the very end like uh but you know like uh in like first corinthians he's like naming people in the church like hey stop that you yeah it's a little more general mark mark Mark, cut Cut, it out cut it out mark And so, uh, so anyway, so that's kind of the history of what's happening Mm -hmm. here in very broad terms.
1: Yeah. And then more specifically, we talked about how like there's a lot of ties to Ephesians. Like when you read Ephesians, there's just like this cosmic scope to it. Mm -hmm. There, there's no, there are like barely any names. There's even less geographical or like situational details to clue you in. Why is Ephesians even writing? It almost sounds more like a sermon than a letter to a person experiencing a particular pain. Super true. Yeah. So Colossians feels like Ephesians, but for a particular purpose. It feels a little bit
0: more. uh, purposeful and personal it's
1: like ephesians is jesus is amazing (laughs) and this is like do you know why that matters to you like like you're experiencing all this stuff and so we need to talk about why colossians was written more yes
0: and so this is um this is some debated territory Mm -hmm. uh not because like everybody thinks everybody else is wrong you know or because there's just so many things we can argue about it's because we just don't have a ton of of information
1: right colossians is still pretty general yep. for all the as specific like as a pastor like as much of a pastoral needed to addressing it's still pretty general it is.
0: in the way that it addresses yeah it. and so the internal information of the of the letter of colossians is pretty sparse when it comes to details but then also the city of colossae is still unexcavated. Yeah, There's it, just a tell, uh, which is like a, a, a yeah. archaeological mound of dirt that's yet to be excavated. And so we just don't have as much information about what types of temples were there, what kind of currency was used, like how rich were they? like uh, what, If there was an earthquake that happened there, when yeah. did it happen exactly and what was the aftermath like? There's all this stuff that we yeah. just don't know about.
1: There's uh, one of the things, uh, what I love about the fact that Col- the city of Colossae mm-hmm. is just a mound of dirt right now. It's yeah. never been unexcavated. It's like... Well one one scholar I was reading he said that Colossians might Colossi, might be the least important city that Paul ever wrote a letter to. Right, yeah. And part of the reason historically depending on where you date Colossians is that there was a earthquake in the region around mm-hmm. AD 61 uh, and Colossi was never really rebuilt. Right. Rome never sent money back to it, which is so it's a city dying in, yep. in a sense. And it was overtaken by the more powerful city of Ephesus, Laodicea, right. and Hierapolis.
0: Because of a new road that was built. Yes. This is my favorite detail of the history uh, because it reminds me of the movie Cars. Yeah. You know, like uh, you have this little town that used to be on Route 66, and people used to drive through it all the time. And oh, all the shops had neon, and and they were thriving. That was Colossi. And then the interstate was built, and it went through uh, uh, Ephesus and these other cities. And they got bypassed yep. and then they just slowly died. And they're this like major. bygone city out in the out in the podunks that no yes. one cares about anymore. Yes.
1: That's Colossi. That is Colossi. <laughs> and it's proven by the fact that it's
0: never been excavated. It's like and they're still like, getting second still class get- <laughs> treatment. Poor Colossi. So I
1: love like you have one of the most beautiful letters in the New Testament. Yeah. Addressed to, one of the least mm, uh prominent cities. Yeah. It's I just love like thinking about that. And um yeah, yeah, it's just a little that sweet is, de- that really a sweet detail. That is really beautiful. And also just it fills out my again, like the dating is contested. But yes. if that's true, it's like, man, you have a city that was had an earthquake happen to yep. it. It's still in ruins. The government that the government and the powers that are supposed to take care of it are refusing to They're or, bypassing, or it. bypassing it. You have their church leader is imprisoned mm-hmm. with Paul. You just have this small group of like desperate Christians struggling to lean on and they received this letter. Uh, Yeah, and it's
0: just like full of glory. And (laughs) not,
1: and so, so, okay, they received this letter, but what are the theories then about what yes. Paul is addressing?
0: Right, we got off. I got. I think I, I got off topic. I took a. I took a bypass. You took a bypass around, <laughs> <Colossi>. <laughs> around <Colossi. laughs> Uh So
1: there's
0: there's kind of there's two ex- there's two big, big sides. I well, think. Let me say this. Yeah. first.
1: If you're reading through Colossians, you're going to notice kind of a similar division that you notice in Ephesians. Oh yeah. The first half is going to be about Jesus and about yep. theology. In the last half, is going to be like, how does Jesus change us? It's mm-hmm. a really pretty basic premise. Yeah,
0: orthodoxy, what do we believe on the first part? And then orthoproxy, how do we live on the second yep. part?
1: And in the middle of Colossians chapter two, essentially, is Paul a directly addressing... A whole bunch of issues within mm-hmm. the church. He calls right. them elemental spirits. He calls it asceticism. He calls it um, your uh, uh, something about. He mentioned circumcision being. He does. Uh, yeah. Uncircumcised and circumcised. He he seems to be hinting at disunity yep. at one point. So there's all these like really specific details. Oh. Visions of angels <laughs> puffed up. It was like, so he's like, he's addressing something in particular, but what exactly is he addressing?
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the million dollar question or the hundred dollar question. Yes, yeah. I don't think scholars get paid a million dollars no. to think about this. No. So this is the hundred dollar question. hundred dollar question. Uh, and so there's, there's, there's two big theories out there uh, and then there's some middle ground between mm-hmm. them. So uh, some people think that this is a form that there's this form of what's called Gnosticism or like mysticism kind of going on. Yeah.
1: In the second century, there was a big movement to like that denigrated the body mm-hmm. in order to elevate the spiritual and the mind, and so yes. you get some evidence of that. You see, thing the phrases like "don't be" con- uh, wait, where is it the elemental spirits of the world, like that's mentioned multiple times. You have these yes. spiritual authorities mentioned uh, over and over again. Like there is this reference to the spiritual reality that seems to be more important and then Paul seems to be grounding it in the body, death, and blood of Jesus. Right. So he's responding to this idea yeah. that The spiritual is what's most important. Yeah,
0: and so a lot of people would point out that um, Gnosticism, like you you mentioned Mm -hmm. already, didn't really become prominent until the second century AD. And so saying this is a form of Gnosticism is anachronistic. Unless you date Colossians way late. Which is what some people want to do, but I just don't think the evidence is there. And so a more likely scenario is, one, that this is less a form of Gnosticism and more a form of Platonism, you know, Plato. Mm -hmm. And he had this idea of dualism, that the body didn't really matter because Mm -hmm. it was only a shadow of the ultimate reality, which was in a different realm. Yeah. Um, and you know, if you've ever heard of Plato's cave, that's kind of the idea there, yeah. that we are on this earth stuck in a cave and the real world is out there um, in the light and mm-hmm. it sh- throws shadows on the cave that we can only interpret. Yeah. Um, and the whole point of life then is to get out of the cave and into real reality that's not embodied in flesh, yeah. but it's like... Spiritual and it's full of knowledge and comprehension and reality. Yeah. Um. And so that could be happening here. So um, it could be because there. It's a it's a, a very Hellenistic Greek city. Yeah.
1: So it could be a, a Platonistic heresy. Mm-hmm. It could be a Gnostic heresy. Yep. The other one that I think is really interesting is like it's a it's a form of Jewish mysticism. Yeah. This so one's interesting. When uh, the Qumran caves were discovered. Uh. When were they discovered? When was Qumran excavated? Oh, it was. I mean, it wasn't long. ago. Ago. Qumran excavated. I mean, it was the
0: 20th century. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it Qumran wasn't that long ago. I'm
1: googling it right now.
0: Uh, but oh. this was a, this was right 1950s. Out, yeah, so right right by the Dead Sea, um, just out you know, not far outside of Jerusalem, there was this little enclave of radical, um, like devout Jewish people who just wanted to get away. They were like the Pharisees would look at them and be like, "Man, they're crazy," you know. <laughs> Yes, they're really intense
1: yeah and so there's all these documents all these books that they wrote about these spiritual visions that they had of the heavens and they were talking about what must the heavens look like if God is up there with his cohort of angels let's imagine that and like if you read Ezekiel that throne chariot where there's wheels within wheels one of them talks about not just one of those but dozens of those Mm. as it like maybe this is what the heavenly realm looks like it's like (laughs) and it's just it's really interesting really speculative but when Paul talks about going on about visions and worship of angels like maybe he's referencing that.
0: Yep. And there's some good evidence there to is. suggest that. Yep. Uh, yeah, there was Jewish mysticism that mm-hmm. fits a lot of this, which is a good bridge into what is, I think, probably the minority view mm-hmm. um, of the book, but it's it's upheld by some really notable scholars, namely N.T. Wright, who we've already yeah. mentioned on the show. Um, and he contends that this is a, a very similar issue uh, that Paul was addressing in the book of Galatians. That um, that there were Jews in the city that were trying to add uh, mm. requirements of the law to new Christian converts.
1: Yeah, and I think he he doesn't even say they were
0: Judaizers.
1: He says they were just Jews, mm. right? Maybe I maybe I've misread him, but either way, it's either a Judaizing influence where it's like right. you need to be circumcised and believe in Jesus. Or it's, you must, like, no, 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 Christianity, Jesus was nobody. Jesus is the only one. Oh, uh, yeah. Ju- Judaism, Judaism, Ju- Judaism is the only way. Judaism is the only way. And so what's fascinating about that um, way of thinking about Gal- uh, Colossians yes. is that the way that Paul's talking then is when he says elemental spiritual forces, he's making Judaism sound like just another pagan religion, right which is yeah. really interesting. That's
0: Wright's argument, is that whenever... Paul talks about um, deceptive philosophies and man-made traditions. He's not talking about some Greek thing that all the Jews would point out and be like, yeah, that's nonsense. We don't believe in Zeus. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's actually ironically using that language to talk about Judaism itself. So, and, and Wright admits that that's a... Uh, A minority position. But he defends it well. And I I think there's a lot of Jewish language in this book Mm -hmm. uh, that talks about Sabbaths and the New Moon Festival that they celebrated and circumcision. And like, okay, you have to take that seriously, that there is some Jewish element uh, in the problem that I think often gets overlooked when we only talk about mysticism or Gnosticism.
1: Yeah. And then, I mean, the really healthy approach, though, Mm -hmm. is just to say... They were facing syncretism. Yes. Uh,
0: yeah. You just define syncretism. Yeah. Syncretism
1: is just essentially blending together Christianity with another worldview and another religious system. Mm-hmm. And so whether that's them blending Christianity with a form of Judaism or blending Christianity with a form of pagan mysticism or with Gnosticism or with Platonism, that's what's going on. Yes. These Christians are being tempted to adjust their faith to the surrounding culture, whether it's right. Jewish or pagan, it doesn't really matter. The temptation is the same. Yes. To stray away from the fact that Jesus is
0: enough. That's right. And, and some and Paul I, even I, I, says it. Oh, he does. Yeah, yeah
1: in verse uh, chapter one, verse uh, 23, continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been procla- proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which Paul, I, Paul, became mm. a minister. Don't
0: shift from the gospel. Don't
1: shift from the gospel. Like you have a lot of other options available to you. Judaism, Jewish mysticism, <laughs> <Yep>. paganism, Gnosticism. <laughs> Remain steadfast. Stay steady. Don't waver. Jesus is enough for you. Yeah. You don't need these other traditions. That's Jesus right. is enough.
0: Yeah. And so I think um, I think what, what we can land the plane really well since we can't really get behind the culture and know exactly the heresy that was going on what we do know is some of the things that paul said to like address them like don't do these things right yes. so some of them was like apparently some people in Colossae were were practicing forms of like asceticism or mistreatment of the body where they would like they would like go and live in a cave for a year or something, mm-hmm. which know? is exactly what the people of well, Qumran did. Is exactly yeah. what the people of <laughs> Qumran did. Or they would hurt, they would like hurt themselves. Or they
1: would fast for so long that they would get, they would get into some type of meditative trance state yes. and have a vision. Like, yep. Yep.
0: Yeah. They would scrape their skin with pottery or, you know, like if they, if they thought a wrong thought, they'd hit their backs with a, with a whip, you know, like these are the, like some of the things that he's saying, like, that any he, any he, and he says it in chapter two, He's like, that might have a form of wisdom to it. You might think that that looks like, man, these people are really devout. They're really committed. they they really believe that what they're doing is right. Here
1: it is. They have indeed an appearance of wisdom in mm-hmm. promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body. But they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh,
0: right. They're of no value. And like the indulgence of the flesh, I think he's trying to get at, this tradition that's going on here in Colossae because the whole idea of Platonism and of Jewish mysticism is like starve the flesh, don't indulge the flesh, and then the spirit will come like the spiritual revelation. The mystical moment will come if you don't indulge the flesh. And he's like, yeah, but whipping yourself and starving yourself is not going to stop you from indulging the flesh because the problem is your heart. Yep. Yeah, there's a t- deeper sin problem going twice
1: on. Twice in Colossians, he points out that his goal in writing is to present the people mature in Christ. Right. In chapter two, uh, verse six, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught. And then chapter three, verse one, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that above where Christ is. And so what is he doing? In both of these ways in which he's talking about maturity of these people, he's grounded it, not in a particular religious belief Mm -hmm. or a particular spiritual experience, he's grounding it in Christ alone, in Jesus alone. How do you stop Hmm. like indulging the flesh? Jesus. How do you have a spiritual experience? Jesus. How do you move forward in your Christian walk? Jesus.
0: Jesus is enough. Right. Yeah. He's saying that like, you can emaciate your flesh, but it won't do anything. Jesus's flesh was already emaciated. Yes. You can deprive yourself, but Jesus was already deprived for you. You can try to crucify your flesh, but Jesus' flesh was already crucified. Yeah. What you're trying to do in your own work is already done and finished in Christ. There's nothing more to earn. It's yeah. over. Yeah.
1: And so we should probably just name then. Like this is a really great book for us. Oh yeah. It, it's like we're, <laughs> like we're not immune from syncretism. No. We don't have pagan philosophies, but we do have political philosophies. Mm -hmm. We have –
0: Yeah, secular, postmodern philosophies. Yes,
1: we have wrong views of the body. We Mm -hmm. have wrong views of nature. We have wrong views of our identity. Mm -hmm. And what we want to do is we want to say there is something that we must have in addition or like we must have in addition to Christ or – apart from Christ in order to find wholeness, satisfaction, right and meaning. Yeah. I need to get out into nature to find out who I truly am. I just need to act on my sexual desires and I'll be happy. Right. I just need to have this spiritual experience with God and then I'll know I'm okay. Mm-hmm. And like we all try to find that sense of fullness, satisfaction, significance through pursuing particular courses of action. Yeah asceticism to the body. I'm going to discipline my body and be a vegan and eat paleo and do go to CrossFit five times a week so I can feel full and feel significant or I'm going to go pursue and have as much sex as I want or I'm right. going to go and do this. I'm going gonna,
0: gonna to eat and drink man, to the fullest.
1: And Paul's like, man, they seem they have the appearance of wisdom. Yep. All those things have the appearance of wisdom. It makes sense when you have a lot of pleasure, you're going to be fulfilled. That makes a certain kind of sense, mm-hmm. but actually has no value, Paul says, in doing what you want it to do.
0: Yep. And then we do the same thing in the church. Yep. Right. Exactly we do the right. exact same thing in the church. Uh, and some of this that you've just said happens in the church, where it's like, we believe in Jesus, but like that doesn't really matter unless we also believe in some of these other soci- social I- uh, ideologies. Yeah. You it's know? like,
1: believe in Jesus and vote Republican. Yes. <laughs> right.
0: Or be believe, believe in Jesus and vote Democrat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: or be with Jesus. Uh, Jesus is enough, yes, but also you must believe in the spiritual gifts. Oh, oh, right. be with Jesus, but you also can't believe that thing over there. That's right. Or you can't watch R-rated movies or you can't swear. And it's like, right. well, I get what you're saying yes, here, Yeah. but like, really? If I, Is my whole faith invalidated if I-
0: If I do this one wrong thing? If I
1: drink? Like right. is, is that what's going on? Yeah. And I think Paul's saying, no, guys- Those things are important, Mm -hmm. but what's ultimately, what the center of reality is, is not the things that we do with our body or don't do with our body, it's Jesus Christ himself.
0: Okay, so can I read what is probably the most beautiful section of this letter, let alone maybe the entire Bible? I mean, I don't know, can you? <laughs> I can. So Colossians one fifteen and on. preeminent for in him the fullness of god was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether on heaven or on earth making peace by the blood of his cross
1: it's pretty good yeah it's It's pretty good there's so
0: much in there it's so packed full but if you could like how would you summarize that in one in one sentence? Jesus is the center of reality. Jesus is the center of reality. What and, what is that replace? Like what, when you mean center, of, what's what, like what's my default center of reality?
1: Me. Okay. Well, it's like, nor, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. What's like what's the most determinative fact mm. about my goodness, health, wellness, future, me, and my actions? Right. Or you could even say, uh, I mean, or even more fundamentally, it's like well, matter, like atoms oh, molecules is the center of reality the scientific forces are the center of reality like yep. we have like a pretty like scientific cause and effect way we think about what is what's holding everything together yes yeah and it's, if it's not me uh-huh it's science yep and those are the ways we think and and the ancient mind wasn't far off of that. It's right. like either I fulfill myself by my own preferences or some philosophy or some worldview yep. holds the world together. And Paul kind of opens up and says, okay, I know you believe that, <laughs> but Christ is the center of reality. Mm. And then he just unpacks the ways in which Christ is uniquely the center of reality. So he's the image of the invisible God. Mm-hmm. He's the exact impression of God, the exact representation of of God, yeah. A scientific method can't be that. You are not
0: that. Oh, right. It's like we
1: are the image. We are made right. in the image of God. And
0: to into an older, like to to a more ancient mind, yeah. God is supreme over re, of creation reality. Yes. And to say that Jesus is the image of that which is over and preeminent in reality is to say that Jesus is the center of that yes. reality. If
1: God above can reside on Earth, God Himself has. Put himself in the center of his actions. Mm -hmm. Like even in the ancient mythologies, where were all the where was all the gods' attention directed?
0: At their temple? Towards the earth. Oh yeah.
1: Like they're having sex with humans and they're doing stuff and they're (laughs) smiting humans over there and they're building a city over there and they give Achilles the power of super speed and like whatever else. Mm -hmm. Like the whole world is focused around humans. Yeah. But what does Jesus do? What does God do? Mm. He becomes the center of both the heavens and the earth like he's the center of the action for everything he's the center of reality Mm -hmm. uh he's the firstborn of all creation yeah he's supreme firstborn can mean like he was just the first one like
0: right chronologically but But in the in in the in the the ancient world firstborn was a title Mm -hmm. not necessarily a description yes it's both is but to say that he was firstborn of all creation means that he is the ruler He's, he's the supreme numer- ruler. Numero uno.
1: Whenever David is anointed as king, God says, "I have made you my firstborn." Right. And so, like, is he the first yeah, person? Like, today, born? I have begotten you. Right. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. He's now su- he, today David was made supreme yes. over all others. That's right. So he, this is Jesus, is the center of reality. He mm-hmm. is supreme over all others, and yeah. proof positive of this, it's because Jesus created everything. Oh, for right. by him and through him, everything on earth, visible or invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him.
0: Now, see that's so two things that are crazy there. <laughs> One, I think it's uh, uh, it's easy for people, especially for like Westerners, to be like God created the earth, mm-hmm. but then whenever you say Jesus created the earth, people get a little shaky. It's kind of crazy. If you go to our Genesis video. Exactly, and at the that's com- exactly what com- I was going to com- talk about. section,
1: people are like, wait, wait, wait. Because we say, in the beginning, Jesus created
0: the heavens and the earth. We're referring to Colossians 1. We're and referring John 1. to John 1. Yeah. But people get weird about it. They are like, no, it says God. I'm like, do you not believe Jesus is God? <laughs> and so, yeah, um, Jesus created all things. Uh, they were made through him. Um, and then, but I think what's even crazier whenever you talk about what this, what is the center of reality, um, depending on your worldview. Um, and this could get a little in the weeds, so I'll try not to, but, um, you could understand the center of your reality based on where are you headed and where's the world headed. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like someone who thinks that, you know, the world is just going to burn up pretty soon as the earth gets, or, you know, as the, heat as death the sun of the universe, gets, yeah, yeah. yeah, the heat death of the universe, you're going to have a very different center of your universe mm-hmm. because of where everything's headed.
1: Or if you believe that the, you're trapped in a, a cycle of history, that oh, history uh, has an, no end. Like an Eastern mind. Yeah. Yes. It's like, you're going to live very differently.
0: That's right. But when, when, when what's being said here is that all things were made for Jesus that yes. the entirety of history, trees and Pluto and toaster ovens, like yeah, 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 <laughs> everything yeah. was made to direct toward him. Yes. That is, I think, one of the most audacious claims here, other than maybe that Jesus yeah. is the image of the invisible God.
1: Well, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like, we all have a vision of progress. Like uh, yeah, as yeah, yeah. time goes on, things will get better. Mm-hmm. We We believe that. Right. And whether we're, Wherever we are, like as Westerners, we generally believe that As time goes on, as technology advances, it's up and to the right. It's up and to the right, generally. Yeah. Uh, take out World War Two, but generally, <laughs> A we're, little, dip, uh, we're we're that's the direction of reality. Yeah. And that vision at the end is whatever we want it to
0: be. Yeah, whatever whether, we created to whatever be, whatever
1: we created to be, or whether whatever our political preferences mm-hmm. or ideological preferences, that's what's created to be. Right. Caution's is saying is that 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 is happening. Yep. But Jesus is at the end of it. Right. Not our systems, not our structures, not our political philosophies or ideologies. At the end of history, everything is up and to the right towards him. That's right. Which is?
0: God made the world to terminate in Jesus. Yes. What? History ends in Jesus. Yes. And it begins. He created all things. Yes, yes. So it's like, <laughs> it begins and ends
1: with Jesus. So he's the he's the physical <laughs> representation. Yeah. He's the visible representation of the invisible God. Uh-huh. He is the firstborn of all secondborns. In him, all things were created in the heavens and on the earth. You get all these opposites that are happening here. Yes. Visible and invisible, political thrones and demonic thrones. Mm-hmm. Everything was created in him for the purpose of finding its fulfillment in him at the end of history.
0: Yes. That's what's happening here. Every single thing in the world is about Jesus. Christ is the center of reality. Yes. That's what he's saying. Yes. Next verse. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's insane. I just like, that needs the land. That's just, a and I just need a moment. Okay, I'm good.
1: <laughs> I don't know how to internalize that more.
0: I don't either. Other than I think a, a massive claim like that just takes time to erode the rest, like the, the ways we've centered our worldviews and our realities on other things. Mm-hmm. It's just, and I've, I've experienced that in my life. I'm sure you have too. Yeah. That bit by bit, things that I thought were centered around me you know, yep. or centered around my own ideologies, or where I thought I wanted to go, or the, where the world was going, yeah. get eroded and replaced with Jesus, and that has not happened total in totality yet. Yeah, yeah. But it's just it's it's too big of an idea to just all become true at once, unless God just forces it on you, which He can, you know. But. Right.
1: Yeah, I think too. It's like it's probably just helpful to a name. You know, no, no, in every sphere of your life, not just like the big, the big ones. Mm-hmm. You believe that you're headed to, you're headed somewhere. Yeah you're headed somewhere, whether that's an endless cycle of repetitions, you're headed towards a vision of utopia, whether a certain type of leader or political power is in office. Right. Like you're headed towards there. Yep. And one day that will be replaced with Jesus. Right. So what that does in like, even just like, even like my career, even in my family, like I have a vision of what I want my kids to look like. Right. And one day that will be replaced with Jesus. Mm. And the extent to which I'm upset when my vision of the future does not come true is actually the extent to which I don't believe Jesus is enough. Right. Right. Yes. That's what he's saying. That's right.
0: You're trying to, yeah. In as far as your, your vision of reality and what you're aiming at doesn't sync up with it ending in Jesus, you are not remaining steadfast. You're going to be disappointed. Yep.
1: Frustrated, angry, divided among others as you double down on what you want versus what they want. Yep. Like,
0: yeah. Yeah. That's interesting.
1: So as a diagnosis, then I was uh-huh. like, so how do I engage with that oh, more? Sure, it's yeah. like, well, I don't know if I can engage with the cosmic Christ, <laughs> but I can engage with the ways in which I'm disappointed that my vision of the future is not coming about. That makes sense. And in those moments where I'm disappointed with where my life not working out the way that I hoped it would, that's where Jesus Christ can meet me. Yeah, the, you can center hope in, my reality. Hope in
0: Christ, recenter I- your reality on, around Him, and yes. you won't be disappointed. Okay, uh, then it talks about how. Um, he well he holds he's before all things and holds all things together okay so which, before time he's not adam he's bigger than, Adams. Big you than know, atoms. you know you you talked about like molecules and atoms yes, like yes. holding things together no it's yes. christ that holds all things together yep uh, what was what was before the beginning jesus <laughs> so
1: before time and before the molecular forces was yes. jesus yes. and also fun fact that hold together could be like a, an aside the, the earthquake that Colossians. Oh, because everything was split apart. Everything was split apart. So uh, like in Christ, he's holding the tectonic plates of the world together. Yeah. Um, and
0: it says that he is the head of the body, the church.
1: Yes. So he'll, Paul will develop this theme throughout, oh, that's Col- true. throughout this book, and he does a lot more in um, 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 Ephesians. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the idea is like Jesus is the center of our church at the global body of Christ, all believers are actually connected in one spiritual body with yep. Jesus as the head, as the the the, the top one. Yeah, and especially <laughs> yeah. if you're
0: like jockeying for spiritual position through different ascetic pra- practices, you know, or anything like that, like to yeah. be like, okay, so what's the highest up I can go in this church thing? And it's like, You can't. You're under the head of Christ. He's preeminent in all things. Yes. So even this new spiritual family, where you're seated at the right hand of God and like you've been given all this authority, you're still under Christ. Right. Still preeminent. And then it also undermines. It's like okay, so I want a
1: real spiritual experience. Mm -hmm. Like, what more do you want? The one who created the world, thrones invisible, invisible. Oh. The one who holds atoms and the tectonic plates of the earth together and who sits as head of the church building you're sitting in right now. What more do you want from yeah. your spirituality? Uh,
0: <laughs> I thought what you were going to say was uh, that it was a way to take the cosmic power of Christ yeah. and land it in the church. Oh, yes. Where it's like, all this is happening, thrones and powers and rulers and authority. And it's that same preeminent Christ who dwells in the church and who rules over it, and who you are in because yeah. you're a part of the church. Like that, yes. you're in that cosmic Christ.
1: Yeah, you don't need to go to Judaism. You don't need to go to pagan religious practice. You don't know to, need to go to Gnosticism. There is a whole universe of spiritual of God mm-hmm. for you to experience. And what's the next thing you've read in verse 19? In Him. All the
0: fullness Mm. of God was pleased to dwell. No, there's more in the cave for me.
1: No, there's not. But (laughs) but there's more in this other philosophy. Seth Paul says no.
0: (laughs) The fullness, but I want, I want more of God. Where do I go? Jesus. (laughs) That's that's what Paul's saying, David. I love that. That's so
1: good. Uh, We did skip over one. He is the beginning, the firstborn of the
0: dead. Which is
1: awesome. It's a great title. Does he mean firstborn in a different way here than he did previously? Is it like he's preeminent above the dead? He's supreme of the dead? Or does it mean he was just chronologically, he was the first one to rise from the dead?
0: I think both. I mean, we're told that God gave Christ after he rose from the dead... Um, the right to judge both the living and the dead. So he is Lord of the dead. It's not Hades.
1: Right. So he's... so. And the the point is like, God, Jesus is Lord over all life. Yep. And over... Lord over all
0: death. Yes. But he also is the firstborn from the womb of the grave. Yes. In his resurrection, he actually was... Born to glorious resurrected life the first time and now all of us when he returns will be born again. And this first fruit this firstborn kinda of pulls on the first fruit language, you know, like yep. when you have a firstborn child, it kind of shows that, Oh, me and my wife are fertile, we can have another child. Yeah. In the same way the first fruits of the harvest would be like, Oh, my my crops are yielding this year mm-hmm. and so there's the first little sprouts. I'm sure right. the rest of the crop will come in in the same way Jesus being the firstborn from the dead proves that we too will experience a resurrection. So Jesus. Jesus
1: holds the universe together. He holds time together, invisible and visible powers together. He holds life and death together. In him, the fullness of God yeah. was pleased to dwell. Yeah. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, yes. making peace by the blood of his cross. And that is
0: a huge statement because that that statement is the climax, the, the resolution of the entire biblical drama that started in Genesis one to three. Because in Genesis one, heaven and earth were together. God mm-hmm. walked in the garden with man. They mm-hmm. talked, they were buddies. It was a garden temple. Adam and Eve were chilling with God. That was the dream. And then after chapter three, we were severed from God's presence and heaven and earth were throughout throughout the rest of Genesis get more and more separated. Yep. And then now we're just separated from God and we're cut yep. off from him. But in Christ, heaven came to earth And now everything, heaven and earth, that which is severed is now joined together in him. Yes. So there is no separation between heaven and earth, which like a Platonist would really want. Yes. And he's like, no, you can't have a lower grade bodily experience and a higher grade spiritual experience because the fullness of God dwelt in a human named Jesus and he holds heaven and earth together.
1: Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And when we were separated, when heaven and earth were separated, Humanity and God were separated from one another, mm-hmm. and thereby humans and humans were separated from one another, yes. and humans and nature were separated from one another. So, what happens in the fall? Man's relationship with the land is broken. Mm-hmm. What happens to woman at the fall? Her relationship with her own body is broken. Mm-hmm. What happens to both of them at the fall? Their relationship with God is broken.
0: And the relationship between husband and wife is Which, broken.
1: Husband and wife is bo- broken. And he's like, in Christ, all the conflict and rupturing that happens is being brought back together in him, Mm. which is why later on in the book of Colossians, what's he going to mention? He's going to mention relationship between husband and wife. He's going to mention relationship with the created order. And what does he mention in verse 21? We were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, but he has reconciled us in his death to present us holy and blameless and above reproach before
0: him. Okay, that's helpful. Reading that's helpful because I was about to ask you like, Okay, I read all of that, and then the end of verse 20, how does making peace by the blood of his cross accomplish this joining of heaven and earth and all things in Christ? And and I think 21 to 22 answers it, where it's like, oh, well, we were separated from God, but we've been joined through his death uh, into God. Uh, by faith in him because we are now holy and blameless by his blood the like yes. atone- the atonement yeah, 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 price yeah. has been paid so that now we can be one with this God and our whole God. world
1: the whole our relationship with the entire world can change again right what's the point Jesus is the center <laughs> of reality and the center of a new reality that he will create through his people who are joined to him by his death
0: All right, so my question now is, we've talked about um, the historical background, what's going on, the heresies, widespread and unknowable as they may be. We've talked about uh, Paul's main thesis that Christ is the center of everything, and we just spent plenty of time meditating on that, which was really fun. So how does, uh, if the main issue in Colossae in Colossi is that they don't believe that Christ is enough, mm-hmm. how does Jesus being the center of reality yep. And him and the center of reality dying on a cross mm-hmm. and rising from the dead, how does that mean that he is enough?
1: Well, first, Paul says in Colossians 1.27, is that that Christ who is in the center of reality is in us. So verse 27, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Mm. So the fullness of God now dwells in us. And that gives us hope of glory. I think that goes back to what we were talking about. What's the end of history? We have a hope for the end of history mm-hmm. based in the fact that Christ is in
0: us. So this is talking about there's this at the bottom, at the, at, underneath mysticism, Gnosticism, whatever you want to call it, is this idea that there is a fullness outside of us that we need to go get. Yes. And I need to do something, whether that is Mm -hmm. follow Jewish laws or go practice asceticism in a cave or get in a nature or hurt myself or whatever, you know, uh, follow a church's laws down to the T or whatever it is, that will help me get the fullness. And what you're saying is no, the fullness, remember that Christ we just meditated on for a long time? The fullness of him has come to dwell in you. Yes. Period. 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 That's it. That's it. Okay, and, like, and he, ta- he kind of does that again in chapter 2, verses 8 to 9. He says, See that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him, in Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him.
1: Yes. Yes. So, I mean,
0: <laughs> that's the, Yes. Yes. So actually, it seems like the central thesis of Colossians is Christ in you. I think is that's, enough.
1: I think that's really yes.
0: That's good. Christ is reality. Yes, and Christ is in reality you. has come to dwell in you fully. The yes. fullness of God that you want to get in any yeah. other way has come to dwell in you personally.
1: Yes, I think like people talk about like being made new creations or yes. like being new humans or new humanity. Yeah. Like fundamentally, this is what it's talking about. We are fundamentally different. In the way in which we engage the world, because Christ is in us, we we don't act the same way we did previously, we don't follow the same philosophies we did previously, we don't pursue spiritual fullness like we did previously because we don't need to. Yeah, we're new things. Christ yes.
0: is in us. What does it mean to say that Christ is in us? You know, like it's just such a yeah, like it, <laughs> it's such a it's it's such a Christianese idea. They'd be like, I've got Jesus in my heart. You know. Like, yep. what does that mean it's such a like and i i have categories for it like okay i'm indwelt by the spirit of god i'm his temple mm-hmm. you know is that like
1: that's part of it he talks about paul talks about temple often enough in colossians yeah. he talks about how we're being built up into that temple i mean paul ties it so remember who's paul writing to Oh, what do you mean? I just
0: just pointed at something. I think we just stopped reading too soon for for our answer. Verse eleven, right? (laughs) So he says, "In Jesus, who this is right after I just read that you've been filled in Him. In Jesus, you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. Wait, how that's how? How's that possible, Paul? Circumcision is done by hand. Don't you know that? Right. You know, he's not talking about some circumcision machine." I mean, an automatic an circumcision, automatic circumcision machine. machine. He's talking about... If only Israel had that, all their problems would have been solved. It would have been very expeditious. Uh, no, he's saying, here's what's happened. Here's what it means that Christ has lived in you. He has put off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ... And it's been buried with 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 Jesus in the grave through faith and been raised up. And now mm-hmm. you've been raised from the dead. So yep. there's this whole process you're trying to go through where you're trying to kill your flesh and circumcise
1: your bits. Yeah.
0: <laughs> change change who you yeah. are. You we all want to be a new person. I want to be somebody else. I want to self-actualize. I want to be my true self. And he's like, that 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 which you longed for has happened, but it hasn't happened with hands. It's happened by faith in Christ. Yeah. He has Effectually, right. killed this old thing that you're trying to get rid of yeah. already, and now he is building his own flesh, his own life yeah. in you.
1: Maybe let me th- rewind a little bit. Why yeah. are aesthetic practices, mm-hmm. um, like mutilating your body, really harsh religious rules, yeah. so attractive to people? Why are spiritual experiences so? like desirable for most people to pursue as a way to feel full.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think two things came right to mind when you said it. One was um, they are quickly actionable. Mm -hmm. Like I have full control and I can do them myself really quickly. I think two, they, um, they visibly show me that something has changed, right? Like, man, how do I know that uh, I am right with Jesus? I, I, I don't do that thing I used to do anymore. Yeah. because I've cut it off, right? And it's like, now, we don't want to like demonize repentance or anything here. That's not what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. But those are the, my two things. It's like, it's attractive because it's like, I can do it and I can see the evidence. I what also, do you think?
1: I was just also thinking about how, for as much as all these philosophies like separate the worlds, it's like yeah. heaven and he, uh, heaven and earth, mm-hmm. body, and Spirit. soul. yeah. Um, they're all functionally attempts for unity.
0: Oh, right. <laughs>
1: it's like we we want to feel whole. Yeah. We want to feel like our spiritual life and our bodily life have some sort of coherence to them. Right. Like whether that's in just our spiritual experience or even like our experience of our gender. It's like we want a sense of like wholeness to us that feels perpetually elusive. So what's right. the problem? Well, the universe must be separated into two categories and we have to somehow bridge the gap by either denying our body and bringing it up into our mental reality or denying our mind and f- just doing the right religious stuff. Right. And what Paul is saying is like, no, 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 unity, wholeness, fullness is found in Christ. You don't need to cut off a part of yourself. Christ was cut off for you. Mm-hmm. Why? So that in him, all things would be brought together and you could experience the fullness yeah. of Life and death, history bringing brought to its full completion. Like, do you feel disrupted, fractured? Do you feel like your body and your soul are enemies with one another, or your mind and your actions are enemies with one another? Man, you're trying to kill yourself, trying to fix that problem. Christ has already been killed for you. Mm. You don't need to do that anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or like, uh, do do you feel like you aren't right with God yet because you ha- you know yes. how you know how bad you are and you have not been punished enough mm-hmm. for how bad you are. Christ has always been already been punished for you fully. Yes. Like, you don't need to punish yourself. So, like, I think what we're getting at, we could, we could circle this idea and give a thousand use cases. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole point. Right. Is that wherever you are, whatever your problem is, the answer is not, no, I've done the Jesus thing and I've got to figure out what else I need to add to feel okay, to feel yes. whole, to feel complete and satisfied. The answer is no, you need to double down on Christ that you have yeah. not yet understood meditated on accepted the fact just it just accepted the fact in faith yeah. that you are whole in jesus and that the fullness of god is in you and with you and for you and is bringing you to him like mm-hmm. it's done in jesus yeah. it's absolutely done in jesus and
1: there's a way to do that that's really um ham-fisted really mm-hmm. clumsy it's like yep. well jesus is enough right just believe it's that. Like, oh, okay, thanks. That solves none of my problems. No. And what I think Paul is trying to do here is like he's trying to get underneath the skin mm. of these religious practices, these pagan religious impulses, and yeah. say like, what are you after here? You're after fullness, like you're after completeness. You're after wholeness. Like, have you noticed how it's not working out for you? Mm-hmm. In Christ, it does. Why? Because it's grounded in Him as the center of reality, as the Creator of one. He's trying to give this overarching narrative of why. In
0: Christ, all things are brought together. Yep. You want the fullness of God? Jesus is the fullness of God. Yes. Yes. Um, and it, it's also, again and again and again in Colossians, Paul grounds his claims, and I think this is really important, so I do want to camp out here for a second, uh, in the cross of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, I'm thinking about... Verse um, 14? Verses 13 to 15, yep, of chapter 2. Uh, you were dead. <laughs> you were dead in sin, your trespasses, the uncircumcision of your flesh, but God has made you alive with Jesus because he's forgiven all of your sins. How? By canceling the record of debt that mm-hmm. stood against us with its legal demands. We ha- we'd sinned, there was a record of debt. Why do we feel so incomplete all the time? It's because we know that we've messed up and that yeah. we've, we've harmed each other, we've, we've offended God if we think he exists, we've harmed nature, we've harmed ourselves. Something's incongruent with our reality. Mm-hmm. But Jesus, the center of reality, has said, no, it's canceled. How? because he he has um, he's nailed that record of debt on the cross the god the god who holds all the
1: universe together mm-hmm. died like the center of reality yes died so that your reality could be fixed yes. like that's what to bring life to, to your reality
0: to bring life to your reality yes
1: by his cross
0: right and it's like if you i know what we're talking about and i feel it too can feel really ethereal like out there Mm -hmm. you know like oh okay it's like pie in the sky jesus is the center of reality and he fills me okay and it's like paul subverts that and gets really boots on the ground and he's like like, you know those execution pieces of wood that the roman government uses to kill criminals yeah the center of reality had like spikes nailed into him by the blood of his cross in flesh and blood these are earth language that I want you to know this is real. It happened. How can, how can any of this actually relate to you? It's because it actually happened. And like your guilt has actually been nailed to the cross. There actually is forgiven There forgiveness for you. There actually is wholeness whole, for you yes. in the cross. Okay.
1: So I've got a legitimate question. All right. I'm ready. That, so then we've actually kind of skipped over up oh until boy. this point and we need to f- answer it before we can answer the next verse, which says, therefore, uh-huh. so we got to figure out what's happened beforehand. Um, Uh, In Colossians 1, Uh Jesus is over all invisible
0: powers. I knew you were going (laughs) to
1: And then in verse uh, 9, it says Jesus is the fullness of uh, God who dwells bodily, who is the head of all rulers and authority. And in the very last verse, 15, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Yes. So like, okay, I get the wholeness. I get the desire for for like congruence, I get like wanting to find significance and meaning and feeling to fractured. I don't necessarily know why Paul is talking about rulers and authorities yes. in this context.
0: So, so far the way we've been narrativizing this, uh, maybe has been a little unhelpful. I think we've been trying to be a little like relevant and postmodern and we've made so it, relevant. We, we've made Well, it's because we've made self the enemy. Our own conscience is yeah. our enemy. Our own lived experience has been our enemy. Don't you feel incomplete, yeah. but there's an enemy There's other enemies outside of ourselves that are causing this. And in order to give full share to both sides of how people think about Colossians, I think both are really valid. One, the rulers and authority, the invisible powers are the spiritual forces of evil that actually exist that are invisible to us. Just like God is invisible, but Jesus is his visible manifestation. There are invisible powers chiefly of which is Satan. And his full-time job is to himself and through those under his command, of whom he is the head, right? Like Christ is the head of the church. He's the head of his own spiritual forces. They have one job, and it's to accuse you, They're to pass judgment on you, to yeah. make you feel condemned, to whisper lies in your ear and in your subconscious.
1: So let me just drill down that. So, so Jesus is, for by him all things were created, Mm-hmm. Rulers and thrones. Yes. Speaking of these spiritual powers, these right. authorities. So like, so you, what you. I just want to make sure it's like. So there is a sense in which that the forces of darkness have a real authority and power on the earth. Yes. That have been given, in a sense, by
0: Jesus, mm-hmm. so
1: that he could one day defeat them or like rule over them. Yes. Okay.
0: Yes. Is there a question there?
1: I, I'm, just, I'm <laughs> just making sure that I'm understanding the world, the other, the world that I don't know. So I understand the world where my own self is right? my enemy. Yep. In this biblical worldview, where Jesus has created all things, including yep. forces of darkness, and delegated authority to them in mm-hmm. some sense, I'm like, well, one, I'm like, well, hold what, on.
0: Why would he do that? Why would he do that? Well, but, as fallen people, he gave us over to fallen rulers. Yes. So we got what we deserved. We wanted to not be ruled by Jesus, to not be ruled by God in the garden. We wanted the snake to rule over us, so we obeyed him instead. So he said, fine, here's the ruler you asked for. Yes.
1: So that's why. <laughs> and if if you go back to our Tower of Babel podcast we in Genesis, we, we do talk about that a little bit. Um, so, And in for regardless of how we think about it, Paul had no problems no. assuming that this was the way that uh, the world operated. That's right. There are spiritual authorities that are attacking you, yes. Con- trying to, and I guess convince you yes. that Jesus is not enough.
0: And that you stand condemned.
1: That you stand condemned. Like there's this uh, record, record of, debt of debt that they're constantly reminding you mm-hmm. of and that you're not good enough. So we've all experienced that. I When you say spiritual forces in that moment, like, oh yeah, I get that. Yeah. When I remember the things I did when I was 12 years old and I still feel guilty for them, yep. Paul would say, well, that's an authority
0: mm-hmm. Who's trying to get you to feel guilty for something Jesus
1: already paid for.
0: That's right. And so how did Jesus triumph over those authority? By kicking them in the teeth? You know, by like, because he he beat him in an arm wrestling match? No, (laughs) it's because he proved their accusations false in the cross. They say, you stand condemned. Jesus says, no, I paid for that. Right. They there is no condemnation now.
1: And that the reason why that's a significant transition in verse sixteen is like, well, what what do we normally feel guilty for? We feel guilty for not reading our Bible enough, for not going to church as often as we do, or right. celebrating the right Christian festivals, or in particular if you're in a syncretistic part of the world, we're like, Oh, you don't keep you don't keep Passover? Right. You don't keep the feast of booths, you don't keep this and then the enemy would come in and accuse you yes. of not keeping those things. So verse sixteen makes a whole bunch more sense now. Therefore, let, let no, no one. one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon
0: or Sabbath. That's right, Th- which I which I do want to give. There's there was I, I set up there's two categories for who these rulers are, and I yes. do want to give N.T. Wright his shot. Here yes. is And the, verse 16 hints at that, is that the rulers and authorities are may, maybe not exclusively for Paul, but they might also include physical people, probably... Religious rulers who make you feel bad. Yep. Like, and I'm sure most of us have experienced that right. person.
1: You had wine with dinner.
0: <laughs> I cannot. Be- I cannot believe you. Um, is that what you're wearing into the Lord's house today? Yes. Oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so
1: you're so maybe this got, you're, this got real. Your legalistic sister is an authority that Jesus has delegated demonic power to. But besides <laughs> that,
0: like, that's what. <laughs> but yes, uh, I think he's also talking about actual, like physical rulers over the synagogue or or uh, the, church, the church. church rulers, yep, yeah, that are just judging people for. Not for trusting Christ alone,
1: <laughs> right? So it's like, so, so. I mean, so we're making good points. So let's let, let's say you were you are a Gentile Christian, yep, no Jewish background, and you're surrounded by Jewish Christians all of a sudden, and they start making you feel bad for not celebrating the Passover, right? Or eating meat that used to be sacrificed to an idol, or drinking wine on the weekend, right? All these things are pretty legitimate things that you would start to have questions about, and the authorities we're telling them you're wrong for doing them That's right. making them feel guilty yep. and in that moment they were just parroting the demonic forces mm-hmm. and they were trying to
0: harm them right okay yep so but but jesus has set those legal demands aside too and i think it's important to name like we've talked about the sabbath and these food and drink rules and the festivals of the new moon he's like not only has christ set aside the accusations on the cross right mm-hmm. uh, but also all of these old testament regulations uh it says we're only a shadow of things to come in verse 17 but mm-hmm. the substance belongs to christ yeah. this is again christ is all in all he is mm-hmm. all things hold together in him he's the terminal event of all things even the L- old testament law yeah. that the sabbath is fulfilled in jesus the food laws are fulfilled in jesus yeah and so if, if someone tries to bring a charge against you for not following those things you, you have you already have the reality you have to the reality w- to which those laws were pointing <laughs> jesus you're free to eat kosher you
1: are you're free to practice Be- the sabbath fully because they point you to christ yes but to celebrate the sabbath or eat kosher without reference to christ is to miss the
0: fullness yeah, that was there in right. the, fu- the first place that's right yeah or to judge someone else for not practicing those things because they have the fullness already in christ right yes that's it great yeah super helpful there we go rulers and authorities rulers and authorities and and i
1: think just to name he calls them elemental spirits mm-hmm. a couple different times verse 20 if with christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world why as if you were still alive in the world do you submit to regulations don't handle don't taste don't touch referring to things that are parished, that they're used according to human precepts and teaching so i think the same thing is going on here he's mm-hmm. like he he's calling which i think oh, nt yeah. right calls it pretty he says like N.T. Wright is saying that the Jewish festivals are elemental, elementary, uh, the elemental spiritual force of the world are ways in which you obey the law without Christ. And Paul actually says the same thing in Galatians chapter four. Mm. He's, he, he talks about being under the law and it bringing a curse. And he says that's an elemental spiritual force apart from Christ. Yeah. Christ frees us from the curse of the law to save us. Not that the law is bad, not that it didn't point to Christ,
0: just that... It ultimately condemned us apart from Christ. I think the other point he's making here is an argument based on degrees. He's like, Jesus defeated the elemental earthly or, or non earthly spiritual powers that mm. are like beyond imagination. I think he can handle the Pharisees. Yes. You know, <laughs> yes. I think he's also making an argument based on degree, which is really interesting. Okay. So, so is Christ is center of, of reality. Yeah. Jesus is enough. He is your
1: fullness. He is your wholeness. He is your conqueror who defeats the enemies that try to accuse you based on things that Christ has already paid for. Jesus is enough.
0: All right, so now we're closing down Colossians. We're getting to the back half of the book. I feel like we've done most of the heavy lifting of the, like the really intense cosmic theology. Plus you want
1: to talk about wives submitting to their husbands, slavery, uh,
0: and <laughs> uh, <laughs> everything else. Um, can we let future Seth and future David future worry about Seth that? Future
1: Seth and David, we'll talk about that. For yes. now, what we really need to know is what Paul keeps getting at, if Christ is the center of reality, your relationship to these th- syncretistic things that you're dealing with... They're
0: trying to condemn you
1: are pointless. Like yep. Christ is better than those things. Don't worry <laughs> about them. But because Christ is the center of reality, you too, and we have Christ is in you,
0: you are new people. Yeah. If you're if the center of your reality shifts, you're gonna look different. Yes. Yes. And like this goes back to even something, a category he set up back in the Christ hymn that we read, that Jesus is the is the firstborn of this new creation. Mm-hmm. Right? So who are the secondborn?
1: If then you have been
0: raised with Christ Seek the things
1: which are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God.
0: Yeah. We are the second born. We are the second born. We are now a part of this new birthed from the grave humanity that has reoriented its reality around Jesus instead of anything else.
1: Yes. Yes. Jesus and his resurrection life is now the center, not just of our spiritual experience, but really in this last half, our ethical experience.
0: Yes, our lived reality, uh, because he is in us. He's dwelling with us. So the way we do things changes. And since Christ died and rose again, that's
1: how he talks about it. Mm. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So what do you do? Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you.
0: What's from the grave, don't do anymore. Mm -hmm. Do things that tend towards life. Yeah, but it's not... Put things to uh, put the things that are earthly in you to death, so that you might have life. No, it's you have life. Therefore, put to death that which is fleshly and earthly in you. Yeah, it's like it's, act like you act like living people, like, act like new yeah. humani- humans. Be who you are in Christ. Already, you're not being to become. You are you are becoming what you already are. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yes. which is a confusing concept, but yeah. it's extremely helpful to know that you are already. It's one of, of Christ. It <laughs> is the
1: most unique cl- claim about Christianity. Yes. Is that you do not behave before you belong. Mm-hmm. You belong before you're commanded to behave. That's right. That it's a fundamental truth about Christianity that most people get wrong. And I mean even in my early years of Christianity, you get wrong too. And I remember I still I I think about this mm-hmm. a lot. I was talking to a friend of mine. He wasn't a believer. He was my roommate at the time. And he was talking about all these other religions, about how it's just like you know, well, you just, every every religion is basically like you have these commands, and if you do the commands, you get to God.
0: Oh, he's like that's all religion. That's all
1: religions, and I remember like having a hard time like re, like realizing this moment right here, uh, and I was like, well, that's why we have Jesus to help us try our hardest. Oh, and I felt I, I like I thought about that so many times, like man, that's actually not true. Yeah, that's the one claim about Christianity that's. The opposite. It's not that we, Jesus helps us to try our hardest so that he will like us. It's that he makes us his own so that we can work in his own power, in the fullness of who he is, mm-hmm. the fullness of God dwelling in us to behave like we're full of life. Right. That's the opposite.
0: Yeah. And so if he's made us this new, like these new people who live in a new way, then What about the Greeks next to me and the Jews next to me? Who's right? Is it the Jews or is it the Greeks? Like, to what people group do I belong if I'm a new person? Here,
1: (laughs) in the kingdom of God, there is not Greek and Jew.
0: Oh, wait, what? Circumcised
1: and uncircumcised, (laughs) barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. But Christ is all and in all. Boom. Boom. This doesn't mean that we erase our ethnic identity. No. It doesn't mean we erase our gendered identity. What it means is that the most fundamental thing about us mirrors the most fundamental rea- fact about reality. Yes.
0: Jesus. And that's because of verse 10 right before it. It's because we are being made into the image of our creator. Mhm. Uh-huh. Like he created all these categories. Yes. But we're not being made into those categories. We've already been, you know, which is why I love this fact.
1: If you look at verse 17, so it's like, okay, so how then, okay, so if this is true, Mm -hmm. how then do you do the stuff? How then do you live the ethical life? Right. I still like, I still have to like, and that's hard work, right? Yeah. That's like, that's still requires effort from me to look like a living new human. And what does he say? Verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord giving thanks to God the Father through him. What's the bedrock of acting according to Jesus's law? Thanks. Thanking him. (laughs) That's good.
0: I love that. Yeah. Because why? Because he's already done for you what you wanted to do for yourself. It's like, man, thank Uh, you for that. I think I'm going to live differently now. Yes. Yeah. When you
1: thank God for the new reality he's creating inside you that encourages you to act like it.
0: That's right. Yes, because yeah, he's done something for you. Yeah, um, I, I remember in my in my book Rewire, I use a, a dumb little mm-hmm. like illustration to talk about this, and it was like, okay, imagine you have this woman who for some reason hates the dog on the other side of her fence, her neighbor's dog on yeah. the other side of the fence, and she'll just go up to the dog, yell at it, make fun of it, eat in front of it, and be like, yeah, this looks delicious, doesn't it? And she just like loves to deride this dog. Yep. She's sadistic, um, and then one day she's out in in her front yard getting the mail. And a big giant strange dog comes up and is like about to pounce on her. And all of a sudden this dog she hates from their neighbor's backyard comes jumps in front, saves her from the attack, scares off the big strange dog. Do you think that woman is going to act differently toward that dog from now on? Right. <laughs> yes. Why? Cause she's thankful. Yeah. So it's like, she's going to, instead of eating in front of the dog, she's going to go bring the dog food. Not right. because she needs to earn the salvation that, has already happened. Right. But because she's acting out of Thanksgiving. <laughs> yes. Anyway. It's a good analogy. It's a, it's a
1: dumb little picture. I like, like it. I like it. Um, so the point is, if Christ is in a reality and Christ is in us and he's transforming our relationship to our spiritual world, he's also transforming our relationship with our ethical world. And fundamentally, how? Do, what does that affect? The most basic of our human relationships, mm-hmm. our marriages, our children, and our boss-employee relationships. Yep. like. Who we are as fathers and mothers, who we are as husbands and wives, who we are as a uh, slave and master in, yeah. in this context. And I
0: think like it's really easy for us as as 20, 21st century Westerners to be like, that's like a really personal thing that gets changed. And it is. It absolutely yes. is. But also, if you are reading this in the first century, mm-hmm. the household and the structure of the household, especially that the husband can domineer over his wife and children and slaves was the bedrock of Roman society.
1: Right. And what you notice immediately about that too is that there's no mention of single male and female. There's mm. no there's no emphasis on what about like a, me as a man transformed by Christ or a woman transformed by Christ. Paul doesn't pick up on that here. He will in other books of the Bible, right. but the, the the point I'm trying I was trying to make is there's a fundamental reshaping of the way that Roman society functioned. Yeah. And he'll pick up elsewhere that that even transforms ourselves as single people. Yes. Uh, and I wanted to mention that now because it's really easy to overlook that 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 m- many Christians are not married. Right. So changing our fundamental reality, the f- most fundamental relations we have aren't always... Marriage-based.
0: Marriage-based. Ha- marriage or, or nuclear
1: family-based. nuclear based. family-based. So I, I don't want to name That's it good. here yeah. uh,
0: before we move on. But yes, the point is... It changes everything from the ground up is the point. Yes. Yes.
1: And according to Roman society, this family unit, a patriarch with his wife and his children and his slaves was how society
0: functioned. He was head of the house. And society, essentially. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. From the from the bottom up, it was a pyramid. Like. And it was just like male dominance over the weaker from the bottom all the way up to the top. And it's like, okay, but if the reality, if the center of reality is shifted away from Caesar... Who is the top of that pyramid of mm-hmm. subjugation, right? Male subjugation over everyone yeah. else. Let's say that the center of reality, who's God in the flesh, did not come to reign and rule with an iron fist and kill everybody and subjugate the world. Instead, he died on a cross for those who don't deserve it. And then that person comes and lives in you and is making you into mm-hmm. his image.
1: How does it reform the basic building blocks of <laughs> Roman society? Yeah, that's what that's, that's what's Paul's happening doing, here, doing right here. Yeah, he's radically transforming some. What, what they were used to. Yeah. And I will say, when we do, we'll come to this just as a teaser. It's like, we, th- we want to think that all goes one way. Mm-hmm. It's like, but I think the transformative nature of Christ in us would be radically different for both 21st century ideas of these relationships and Roman ones. It would. And I want to explore that a little bit. I don't know what, I, I'm still like, Not at a loss to what that means precisely, Mm -hmm. but it's like, if there is a, we talked about like as a Copernican revolution. Yes. If there is something fundamental about reality in Christ that's changed in me, my marriage must change. It must. My relationship with my employees must change. And I can't assume that just because I live further down the timeline Mm. that I'm more enlightened and I'm closer to God's ideal that's right like, this actually challenges me in ways that I'm not prepared for and I can escape out from under that by only appealing to the ways that it fix Roman problems mm-hmm. so I'm mean, all I' say I'm excited to talk about it I when am too now get, Man, to it. <laughs> yes
0: but yeah I think at the end and, and, and maybe that's a really good place to start to land this plane is uh, you just dropped the the C, the sea bomb the Copernicus revolution <laughs> yes and it's like uh, you know this whole idea like the the world changed the way we thought about ourselves in uh, on the planet changed whenever we realized that earth did not, was not the center of the universe, that it revolved around the sun. And it's like, Oh, well we're a part of, that means we're a part of something larger than ourselves and everything's yeah. not centered around us. That was, that was the revolution that happened there. Um, and that is what Paul is claiming happens in Christ. That Christ is the center of the universe, not the yeah. sun. Everything revolves around him. So therefore the way we view weather patterns, Yes. You know, and like which job you we choose and how we spend our money and which words we decide to use in our daily vocabulary. Yeah. Everything changes. Yes. Because we're centered around a different sun. And that means we're going to look different than the people that think they're still circling around a star. Yeah. We just Our will. orbits will collide. Our orbits will collide. Yeah. Absolutely right. Uh, wow. So that's Colossians. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. I really liked that. What like? Are you like taking one big takeaway out of this?
1: Um, man, I think it's the same takeaway that we started with, but I just appreciate it a little bit more. True. It's like Jesus is enough, yeah. and He's not just enough to solve my spiritual problems. He's also a compelling reason why to change the like fundamental building blocks of my life, mm. like. Oh, I want my life to look more like the one whom reality is based off of. Yeah. Um, a little bit more at the end of Colossians, I did at the beginning.
0: Yeah, I like that. I think I'm thinking about um, the ways that I'm trying to add things to Christ only. Yeah. And I like, I'm like, man, I want to go think about that and be yeah. like, what am I. The
1: fullness of God dwells in you, oh,
0: David. It's too good. I got That's a lot. It's so good. Well. Thank you guys for walking through this this podcast with us that probably was like five times longer than it would take to just read Colossians.
1: Yes, most certainly. You should read just, just go read, read Colossians. Colossians. It's very <laughs> it's short. <laughs> very good.
0: <laughs> but uh, anyway, thank you guys so much for being with us and uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit that gives all its resources, like this podcast, away for free because of supporters like you. To help Spoken Gospel in our mission to speak the gospel out of every corner of Scripture and view all our free resources, visit SpokenGospel.com.